Good morning. I have a uh, friend, and uh, his, uh, his name is Jordan Spencer. Does anybody know Jordan Spencer? Uh, he's from the area. He's a local pastor. And uh, him and I had this conversation this week, and uh, we're actually really bothered by uh, something that you guys can have a seat, actually, uh, just, just a moment. Um, we're actually bothered by something um, It was stirring in our, our heart, our mind, our soul. Um, and this is how I want to start this morning. Um, there's been two events that have happened in our world recently, pretty major events, um, that, that have really struck the heart, pulled on the heartstrings of our, our world. Um, a few weeks ago, um, as you know, uh, there's a, a church in Paris, France, uh, that caught fire. Uh, unless you're hiding under a rock, uh, you know this, right? Uh, an ancient church, a beautiful, large church. Anybody actually been to Paris to see this church? Um, ra- raise your hand. I'd love to know. There's a handful of you. A beautiful, large church. It caught on fire, um, and a lot of it was damaged, and... Um, Beautiful, and and it, I remember seeing the breaking news of this, and 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 uh, even as a pastor at a church, um, I'll be honest, I was a little, I was a little surprised. Given given where we're at in our culture, I was a little surprised that the world cared. Seriously, I, but I was like, okay. I'll go with it, right? So then I'm sitting right here where my beautiful wife is sitting last Sunday. It wasn't last Sunday, Easter Sunday. Wasn't that powerful Sunday morning? Wasn't that amazing? Uh, pastor Cameron, our executive pastor, was up here um, preaching his heart out, which, by the way, he had uh, double knee surgery this week. Uh, he's a few days in. He's still in a lot of pain. Continue to pray for him. Send him texts. Send him Coffee, gift cards, love on him uh, all you can. He could use all the prayers he can. He's doing uh, really well considering, but continue to pray for him. Uh, he's doing really well. He's, he's punching through, and he's, he's, a, tough, he's a tough cookie, but um, definitely keep praying for him. Uh, but I'm sitting here listening to him preach, and I get a text message um, from Jake Felt, who's actually uh, not here this morning, um, who uh, is not feeling well himself. But he sent me a text message last Sunday, and he sends me a screenshot of a, another world breaking news that there was a, several bombs that had went off in church services um, in Sri Lanka on Easter Sunday in the middle of Easter services. And it killed, at this point, an estimated between three and 400 people. Um, and badly, seriously injured over 500. I, and I don't know if you you heard about that or not. Um, and I was, I'm like Easter for real. And and obviously that was breaking news and that was a big deal. But I know there was also this discussion between my friend Jordan and I that that news 
didn't have the stamina, the longevity, the buzzworthiness of the church in Notre Dame, the church in Paris. And I'm like, this bothered me. This bothered me. And I, and I thought, what do we really value in our culture? What do we really value in our culture? And you're like, wait, shouldn't we? Wait, you're a pastor. We're in a church. Shouldn't you be all excited? I mean, shouldn't you care? Yes, I care. I mean, in fact, in high school, when I, when I was in high school, my, my church that I went to and um, a Christian school that I attended was a church in, in school burnt to the ground. Um, I, I care, obviously. B- buildings are important. If this place burnt down, I'd, I'd be working from home. Um, it, it matters. But there's this... Um, there's this, this element of angst inside of me when I'm talking to my friend Jordan and I'm, we're, we're, we're just stepping back and saying, what, what is wrong with our culture right now? Like, what are we valuing? What do we value as a people? What do we value as a world right now? Not, not just picking on that story. Not just picking on those two situations. Because we can really nitpick a lot of things. But as we look at the book of Joshua, and I don't know if you've had the opportunity during this series of Joshua to really read the book of Joshua, but there's a lot of death, there's a lot of destruction, and there's a lot of battles. And to be honest, it would be really easy, conduit, it'd be really easy for for you as a human being to look at this and say, you know what? God doesn't care about people. God, you know what? God's, God's for war. God's all about just wiping out a people group, or God's all about this, or God's all about... It's really easy for us to look at a certain part of what's happening and not see the bigger picture. And I think, zooming back to where we're at today, we need to know that, back to, back to the two world events that I talked about, we value people. We value God. We value his creation. We value his church. But we don't value the church over God's people that are in it. You need to know that. We don't value the church over the people that fill the church. That's what makes the church, is the people. And by the way, no one in that Paris church, no one was there. No one was hurt or injured or died. And I think it's just really interesting for us to just step back as we see the story this morning in Joshua chapter 9. You can go ahead and turn there. Uh, I want to actually take, uh, th- I want to invite you actually, I wanna, I'm going to actually, uh, I'm going to invite you to lean in big time this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Jamestownians, conduit attenders this morning, I'm asking you a big one this morning. I'm asking you to lean in. This is, this is Joshua 501. Okay? We have two weeks left. Uh, Lord willing, Pastor Cameron will close out the series next week. Um, <laughs> today, we have a lot to cover, but here's the cool thing. I'm going to try to cover it via video in the next eight minutes. I'm going to try to cover the entire book of Joshua in eight minutes. If you will lean in, I believe, because the point of going through the book of Joshua isn't just passing along information. That, that wasn't the point of going through Joshua. The point of going through Joshua was to pass along the theme, which was courage plus obedience equals abundant blessing. I wanted you to see that courage plus obedience was abundant blessing. I wanted you to see that God's faithfulness led them from a place of courage to obedience and it equals abundant blessing. And it's just as much true for them as it is for us today in 2019. And the Spirit of God is just as much alive then and with them as it is with us now. But I do want to just take, literally, I just want to take eight minutes and I want you to watch this video and I want you to lean in to see the big picture, if you will, the big picture of the book of Joshua. And then we're, gonna, then we're just going to dive in a little bit deeper into Joshua 9 for the remainder of our time, okay? So take a minute to watch this. Are you lost? You got it? Uh, the good news is uh, you guys here that couldn't see the video because um, of the door. Sorry. Um, I'm going to share this video uh, on our social media this week, so you can rewatch it uh, if you'd like. Hopefully that gives you a better oversight to the book as a bigger picture. Today we're in Joshua chapter 9. I want to talk to you about uh, what happened in this chapter, uh, more so from a story perspective, because I think probably the best way to be able to uh, understand it, to grasp it. Uh, I've been studying this book, the Bible, my whole life, and it took me, honestly, a couple weeks to grasp this story. Uh, so let me pack it in a way that's understandable, palatable, uh, in, a, in story form that's understandable to get here in a few moments. Joshua chapter 9 lays out the story of how Joshua and the Israelites were beginning to conquer the land of Israel, the promised land. And as you, you see at the beginning of that chapter, they start to, they start to encounter all the Iites. Remember all those people we were talking about a few weeks ago? The Hittites, the Perizzites, remember? Like that's the worst name for your, your, your gang ever. Like, what, hey guys, what should we call our group? We're the Perizzites, yeah. Great name, guys, way to stick with that. And it names all the list of these people, right? And they knew about Israel, and they knew that Israel was coming. Specifically the Gibeonites. They knew that Israel was coming. Now God had told Israel not to make 
any peace treaties, to any, have any treaties with any of these groups of people. Because this was their land. This was the land that God had made for the Israelites. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. There is a bigger picture, as you just saw in the video. So before you get all compassionate about the Perizzites and the Hittite and all those people, there is a bigger picture. But the bottom line here is that there is an absolute conquering that is going to happen, that needs to happen, and God says, no treaties with no one. The Gibeonites said, you know what? We know about these Israelites, and we've heard about their God. In fact, we've heard about what their God did way back at the Red Sea, how he parted the Red Sea. We heard about what he did in the Jordan River. We heard about what he did at Jericho. We heard how they marched around the city seven times, and they heard about how they yelled, Rock Shazak! Do you guys remember that? Be strong in the Lord and of good courage, and the whole walls of the city fell down. They had heard, the Gibeonites, they had heard about what God had did at Ai. They had heard about all the God of Israel had done. And they were scared. They were shaken in their sandals. So guess what they did? They didn't get tough. They got smart. So the Gibeonites, they came up with a plan. They said, you know what? Rather than fighting the Israelites, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go after their heart. Let's pull a good Samaritan move on them. That's actually what happened. Let's, let's present ourselves to them as if we are, um, <laughs> as if we're refugees. As if we're travelers from a far country who are in great need. Let's take all the bread, let's break it in crumbles, let's take all of our wineskins and let's make it worn out Let's take all of our tattered clothes and let's make it dirty. Let's make ourselves look as dirty and as worn as we can. And let's present ourselves to these Israelites in just pure mercy and compassion. That's what the Gibeonites did. And maybe if we present ourselves to these Israelites, rather than smush us and crush us and kill us, maybe they'll have compassion on us. And it's exactly what the Israelites did. But God said, don't make any treaties with them. Josh was their leader. But this is exactly what Israel did. Israel, at the end of the day, did one of these. Made a treaty with the Gibeonites. And back then... This actually meant something. Seriously. In fact, it says it very clear that they swore before the Lord God that peace treaty. That they wouldn't touch or harm the Gibeonites. And they didn't. God, God is not happy about this. Why? Weren't they doing a good thing? Hold on, stop for a second. First of all, 10 points for the Gibeonites. 
Like they knew they couldn't win. They knew they couldn't beat the Israelites. They knew something. They knew that this the God of Israel was going to do something crazy. Like they had split the Red Sea. They had stopped the River Jordan. They had brought down the the walls of Jericho. Who knows what they were? Maybe he was going to do like backflips, like across the world with the Gibeonites. Like who knew what he was going to do to the Gibeonites? Ten points for the Gibeonites. They were sly. But check this out. That's exactly, that's exactly what the enemy does. Have you ever noticed that the enemy, he doesn't come at you with a giant sword, obviously waving at you. Sometimes he comes at you with compassion. Sometimes he comes at your weakness. Have you ever been duped or fooled because you're a nice person? Have you ever been duped or fooled because you're just kind? Have you ever been wooed into a situation because yeah, you're, all y'all are smiling because you've been there? Welcome to the Israelites. But can I, and I've been there too. But listen, let me just let me stand, if I can say this loud and clear. Listen, listen. I've been there too, but listen. It's still disobedience and it's still consequence and it's it still stops us from abundant blessing because it's not what God asked us to do compassion is awesome helping people is awesome but not at the cost loving people is awesome but not at the cost of disobeying what God has asked us to do. God had asked them not to make a treaty with the Gibeonites or any of the Iites, and they did. But something interesting happens. Something amazing actually happens. So they swore before the Lord that they weren't going to touch the Gibeonites, and they, they made this peace treaty with the Gibeonites. Now, another 10 points for the Gibeonites, because this is, what, this is all the Gibeonites wanted to do. They just wanted to live. They didn't want to actually kill the Israelites. They, they were good with coexisting. They were actually good with being, like, slaves or anything. that They, they just wanted to live. In fact, the end of the story for the Gibeonites, at the very last verse of the chapter 9, they end up being woodcutters and water carriers. In fact, the end of the story, as you go to read the rest of the Old Testament, God blesses the Gibeonites. God uses the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites, he uses the Gibeonites to help build the temple in Jerusalem. God uses some of the Gibeonites to be some of David, later on in Scripture, some of David's mighty men. God uses the Gibeonites to be a part of, the, later to help in the tabernacle. God uses the Gibeonites over and over and over. God blesses the Gibeonites. They just wanted to live. But a few days later, let's go go back to the story. A few days later, guess what? The Israelites found out that these Gibeonites were not, they were not, uh, (laughs) how do I say this? They lying. They were not refugees. They were not from a far off country. In fact, they found out they were from that town. And that they had been lying to them the whole time. 
And how do you think the Israelites felt about that? Not very good. Yeah, Rhea, that's good. Not very good. And so, <laughs> let's kill them. Let's kill them. That's exactly what the Israelites did. Anger rose up <laughs> against the Gibeonites. Oh, we absolutely will kill them now. We, absolutely, we will absolutely kill them. Swords are drawn. Plans are drawn. We're going to kill these guys. Absolutely. It's, it's done. In fact, they're, let's go. Rally the troops. Let's do it. And just as if they were getting ready to slit their throats, they remembered. They remembered this. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. They remembered that. Which wouldn't have been that important, but they, who did they swear to? God. He was listening. He's just not some pawn that you can just like throw in like every promise you make. He's listening, and he was in that. He was in that swearing. He was in that moment. He was in that covenant. He's important. And you know what they did? This is, this is the lesson for today. They decided to not kill the Gibeonites. Because they said, you know what? We made a treaty with them. And we're not going to kill them because we swore before God that we would not do it. Two wrongs don't make a right. Have you ever been in a spot where you made a mistake and it would have been really easy to just make a second mistake, to correct the first mistake, and it would have just been as if you never made a mistake at all. Or you made you like you lied about something, and then you, you like another lie would have just covered that lie. And then you know y'all aren't making eye contact. We've all been there, right? I like, if you remember Quint Limblad that used to work there, he's, he always said, um, <laughs> he goes, if you just tell the, <laughs> he goes, if you just tell the truth, you only have to remember one story. <laughs> I love that. Oh, it's so good. It's this whole idea, is this, 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 it's so easy for us to want to fix our wrong by doing another wrong. The Israelites kept to their word before the Lord because their word before the Lord was important. They stayed faithful to what they said before the Lord and that meant something to them. So how the story ends is they literally, they, they decided to coexist with the Gibeonites. And they did. They said, you know what? We made a treaty with you, a peace treaty, and, and you, yeah, well, absolutely, you be our our woodcutters and our water carriers and the Gibeonites, that was, their, that was their idea. And that was something they were great with. As long as you don't kill us, we are, we are good with that. Because are, you are clearly superior to us. And we are fearful of your God. In fact, they submitted to what the God of Israel had done. And many of them were saved and worshipped the God of Israel. And the power and the miraculous things that he had done because of their courage and their obedience.
You see, they, the Gibeonites saw the Israelites' obedience. They recognized that in their compassion, they were completely disobedient to what God had asked them to do. They were duped into it. But they still disobeyed. But even in their new decision to honor this Gibeonites, that they obeyed what they had made in that treaty to honor God. Okay. That's the story. But here's where I'm at today. We're in a room full of people, and especially one on standing on a stage that people have a room full of people that have made mistakes in their life, that have sinned greatly, that have sinned greatly, that have made mistakes one or many or thousands that have affected their lives in great, great ways. And I think there are these moments in, the, in our lives where it's really easy to get stuck, to be divided by our mistakes. And um, a few years ago, uh, there was a gentleman, Nick Fuller, that had made this door um, table for conduit. And... Um, I thought it was important for us to see just a visual representation that sometimes our mistakes can be a door that divides us from everything. Sometimes it's a door that blocks us from... And and I brought two chairs up because I felt like, at first I thought, this is representative of a person, a relationship. Like, maybe there's a mistake we made, and um, we're on one side, and because of the mistake we've made, it's divided us from the person that's on the other side of that. Our mistake has divided us. But to be honest, I, I'm taking the chairs away for now because, or at least I'm taking, I'm taking this one chair away because I feel like I feel like in reality it's not just a person it's it's you could fill the blank with anything I feel like at times our mistakes our sin our guilt our shame it can divide from everything it can divide us from going forward it can divide us from from confidence it can divide us from uh Moving forward in our relationship with God, it can divide us from so many things. Our mistakes can divide us because we can so easily just stop right where we're at. Or, fellas, could you help me out again? Or we could choose for... Give it up, give it up for Robin Rich. Thank you guys. Or it can be a table. So our mistakes can be a door to divide us, or our mistakes can be a table to bring us together. 
Our mistakes can be a table to bring us together. Have you ever thought about it that way? Our mistakes can be a table to bring us together. Let me illustrate it this way. We just celebrated Easter. We celebrated how Jesus died on the cross. So he's paid the penalty for our sin. The the punishment for our mistakes is gone. He rose from the dead. So we are to live in victory and hope and true life in him. Correct? So all that remains is peace. All that remains is freedom and hope and relationship. Not only with him, but with one another. Correct? Recently, I went on a trip. Uh, In fact, it was last summer. And uh, I won't say her name. Uh, She's not in the room. But uh, uh, (laughs) we were going on a trip, and we were, how many of you have been to my home? Raise your hand if you've been to my home. So you've been to the gauntlet of my driveway. Um, If you've been to the gauntlet of my driveway, it's kind of like walking a tightrope. Um, it's a very skinny driveway, and at the end, a lot of times you have to back out of my driveway. And so it's like walking a tightrope backwards. Um, and at the end of my driveway is a very thick, big mailbox post, right? Um, how many of you here, there's room at the cross for you. How many of you here have backed into my mailbox post? Okay, there's got to be more than one of you. There's like 37 marks on it. I know Cassie Blakesley has done it like six times. Has she encountered it, kids? Okay, I know Josh Kreider's done it a couple times. He's not here this morning. Anyways, we're going on a trip. It's a few hours away. And this, uh, this girl is backing out of my driveway, and she... Just, I mean, I see it in my review mirror. She's ahead. She's in a different car, and I see she's like, she's not even on the driveway. She's in the grass, <laughs> barreling towards the mailbox. And we're all leaving for this trip, and both cars are coming out, and I'm just watching her. I'm like, oh man, oh man, oh, and just boom! And I see her in the rear view. I see her hair just like it's like like the Matrix or something. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Like, oh my goodness. And like, like it's happened so many times. Like, blood pressure does go up a little bit because I'm the one that actually has to redig it and read all that stuff. But I laugh because it's hilarious, right? So I'm dying laughing, right? Because we're going on a fun trip. But I look in the rear mirror and they're gone. They just leave. Like, where'd they go? They were gone. This person was just so embarrassed that that happened. And that maybe it was better just to leave. And so in that moment, all I could think of was this illustration. Like, sometimes, and it's funny now. It's funny now. And and I joke with her about it now. Um, And she never did fix my mailbox. But... uh, (laughs) 
Sometimes our mistakes can divide us. Or sometimes our mistakes can bring us together. I want you to know that this church is a place where our mistakes can bring us together. But we're not coming together just to celebrate all of our sin and mistakes. We're not here just to say, hey, we're just a bunch of sinners celebrating where we messed up. That's not the case. We are here redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, forgiven and set free and seen as holy in Jesus' name. We are just as Jesus walking out of that grave, we are forgiven and made whole. And we sit at this table, whether it's us on one side and that person that you have a hard time with in a relationship or that thing that divided you on the other side, but you also need to know that Jesus is the one that has brought you together. He's the one that's made it possible. He is the rob and rich in the moment that has made this from a door to a table. He is the one that has made it possible to bring it together. He has made your mistake redeemable. He has took the very thing that you feel so shameful about, that you can never go to church again, or you can never tell anyone that you ever did that thing. And now he's made it a platform for you to say, you know what, this used to be who I was, but now this is what I did and this is who I was, or this is maybe who I still struggle with, or this is what I still struggle with, but I am redeemed by Jesus and this is how he's given me power, and now it is the wave that I surf on. Jesus is giving me hope and power every day by this Holy Spirit to live differently. I am set free in Jesus' name by his blood and what he has done, not by me and my hard work. My decisions, my choices, yes, every day I am choosing to obey him and not obey my flesh. I am choosing that for my one, my one mistake, not to be two mistakes. I'm not choosing that. My one mistake is going to be a lifetime of mistakes. I'm not going to live in my misery of this one. You know what? It would have been so easy for those Israelites to be like, you know what? Forget this. We're going to wipe those Gibeonites off the, the face of my land. This is my land. Get out of here, Gibeonites. We don't, we don't need water carriers. We don't need woodcutters. We're going to look at these guys for, hey, we're going to look at these guys forever and always see them as our mistake. Baloney. That's not what happened. They actually looked at the Gibeonites and said, you know what? God redeemed our bad mistake. And then God didn't just redeem their bad mistake. God used their bad mistake to bring and remind them over and over of his redemptive love and forgiveness on their life. Conduit. You've made a bad decision. You made a bad choice in your day. Can you look back at your life now? And can you look at that bad decision or that bad choice? If you've redeemed and you've repented of that and you've asked God for forgiveness and he's invited you to the table and he, he's been in that spot and now you're in this place and like God's like, hey, hey, bro, hey, you've been forgiven. Now you're at the table. Use this place. Now use your life as a conduit to communicate now that you're forgiven of that, now that you're redeemed in that. You, you were in a dark place. Maybe it, was your, maybe it was your sexuality. 
Maybe it was money. Maybe it was something nobody knows about. Maybe it was your marriage, or maybe it was your divorce, or maybe it was an affair, or maybe it was... Maybe it's something you did with this, or something you did with that. Whatever it is, God redeems that. And he doesn't just redeem that and say, forget about it. He actually wants to take that and use that in your life in a way, because he, look, look, look at it. He knows that somebody right behind you feels that same guilt and, and maybe a little bit of, you that same shame and that same darkness and that same feeling that you have, they feel it as well. And maybe you can help them. That's why God wants to not just, not just forgive you. He wants to put you on mission so you can help them. So you can be a conduit to them. A source of hope for them. I say this over and over and over and over and over to my kids. Like, it's not about the mistakes you make. It's what you do about them. We all know people, like, they can come to your mind like that. If they've made a mistake, a bad one. And rather than own it and repent of it and let their life be marked by redeeming it versus run from it or deny it and be marred by it. The Israelites, by Joshua's leadership, chose to be redeemed, chose to be redeemed by God's mercy and grace. That's the gospel. That's how Joshua gets us to Jesus. That's how he gets us there. And that's what he's communicating to us, is that when we make a mistake, and every single one of us do, when we do, we don't turn that into a lifetime of those mistakes. Raise your hand if you've dieted. Okay, every hand better be up, or we can't be friends, all right? All right, you've heard of a cheat meal, which I think is ridiculous. Because you know and I know that those turn into cheat weeks. I think that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Sometimes our mistakes so easily, guilt and shame, the heaviness of it, so easily turn into weeks and months. And God's waiting right here. He's willing and ready to turn your door that's blocking you the mistake that you've made or done or feel. He's wanting to take that from being a barrier that divides you from hope and mercy and that person and redemption and everything. He wants to take that from being a wall that divides you to a table 
brings you together. Brings you together with others. Brings you together with the church. Brings you together with friends. But ultimately brings you together with Jesus. But I also want you to know that even with the wall, even with the wall, Jesus is right here with you because he's speaking to you about bringing that to a table. See, the price for your sin, no matter how you feel about it, the price for your mistake, it's been paid for on the cross. It's done. And so there's no reason for us to feel the way we do. There's no reason for us to feel or be stuck in that. Are you tracking? Are you with me this morning? All right, final thought. I, I think that... Um, I think that it's important for us to know that um, it's easy for us to get it's easy for us to get overwhelmed about the lifespan of what where we go from here. And I just want to leave you with this thought: it only takes a moment. God only needs one moment with you. One moment. One moment to turn it around. The treaty I made with John, the Gibeonites. Be nice to John, even though he represented the Gibeonites. He got sick. That's right. Now he cut wood and carry water. Um, God only needed one moment. One moment to decide for the Israelites. Today in this moment, you need one moment to make that decision. To surrender it all. To follow Jesus. To surrender to Him. I decided to follow Jesus when I was young. Around age six. But it was like 19 years old when I was like at a different moment of surrender. Like, alright. This is it. Maybe for you today it's that moment. Maybe to you, for you today, it's that moment. I'm surrendering that mistake, that thing, that, that I just need you to know, conduit, this morning. I need you to know this. That God values you. He values your heart. He wants you. He wants you to be set free. Would you pray? God, I just pray in this moment that your Holy Spirit would speak. That, that you'd lead those people to that moment that for us, it, sometimes that's all it takes is that moment for them to step out in faith and whether this morning they need to step out and to come forward and pray, or maybe that moment for them is a phone call, a conversation. 
Maybe for them, uh, that moment is just following through. Maybe that moment is being honest about something with somebody that they know. Maybe, maybe for them, that moment is paying somebody back. Maybe for them, it's a business leader that did a bad deal that needs to call somebody up and do it right. Maybe, maybe it's a, a dad or a mom that needs to own something with their kid. God, mistakes have these, this, this way of, of, of creating this wall to divide us. God, today may it be a table that brings us together. Because right there at that table is where you're at. You desire for us to dine together, to be together. As it was for Joshua and as it was for the Israelites. (laughs) Yes, they disobeyed. But yes, you redeemed their decision. You used their obedience after that. And you continued to bless their life. You continued to bless their decisions from there on out. God, forgive us because we continue to be a contrary, disobedient people. But we recognize that you are on the throne. We recognize that you are God and that you are holy. We recognize, God, that we need you. And we pray this morning that that whoever this morning that, that needs you, that needs your grace and, and there's no better way to say it, that needs your mercy, would fall to your mercy. I know they're going to receive it because you offer it through the blood of your son, Jesus. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you.